This is Tani Talks Parsha, where we talk about the Parsha of the week, with some practical lessons to keep. Now that we've started Sefer Barashas, we're now moving on to Parsha Noach, and of course, this shear should be for the many, many people who are sick. It should be a refuah shalema for all those who are sick, all those who need to recuperate from the devastating, devastating news to our brothers and sisters in Israel and beyond. I was also dedicated in the memory of the 14, 1500 people who were murdered, slain in Eretz Yisrael and beyond. And it should also be a zechus for the thousands upon thousands of those who are fighting on our behalf in Eretz Yisrael. And it should also be on behalf of the 200 basically now who are in captivity, who were stolen, snatched away, and they should be all released and have a Yeshua and Rafu Bakarov. And we shall be Zochah to hear good things, good tidings. With the coming of Mashiach, the coming of the Beisimingar speedily in our days, and we should be Zochah that that happens today. So we come to Parshas Noach, and Noach, I talk about this every year, Noach is a very enigmatic character. You know, you either hate him or you love him, basically. The commentators talk about how Noach is compared to Avram, which is may or may not be such a fair comparison. Avram has like this crazy reputation. Avram is seen as this ultimate chesed paragon, paragon of kindness, paragon of chesed. And Noach is seen as this guy who built the teva and was able to save himself, his wife, his three kids, and their wives. Not the rest of the world. He toils on the Teva for 120 years. That's like a really long time. Why does he build it for so long? Because hopefully somebody would be repented. Somebody would think about, you know, changing their ways. But no one does. So Noah has seen as this character. But really, he is a tzaddik, however way you look at it. He's living in a generation which there's not really good things. And we could see in our own generation how there's such cruelty, such evil, such lack of morals. We see that very, very easily now in October 2023 with the war raging in Israel. You see the good, the light, the wonderfulness of Am Yisrael, of the nation of Israel, the state of Israel, the land of Israel versus the evil, barbaric, morally depraved animal monsters that are Hamas and Hezbollah and ISIS and the like. In his generation, there was evil, but in every generation, of course, in our generation also, there is evil. The question is, why was his generation destroyed, but not the generation of the tower? Because the generation of the flood were consumed by robbery, by violence. And one of the words used, by the way, for the generation of Noah is Hamas, which is very interesting. And they had to be wiped out, which also has to be the case also for nowadays. They should all be wiped out, eradicated, and leveled. While amongst the generation of the tower, love prevailed. The question is, how do we look at Noah? And we talked about this in previous seasons too. Among our sages, Rashi points out, and that other thing came from Medjashraba, among our sages, there are those who interpret the idea of looking at Noah. Noah was a righteous man, perfect in his generations, as the Parsha starts out. We know the song Noah, was a big tzaddik from his Kepala to his Visada. Noah was a big tzaddik. Every year's a big tzaddik. Beautiful song. Really comes from this week's Parsha. Among our sages, there are those who interpret this as being in praise of Noah. He was righteous. If he was righteous in his generation, certainly he would have been even more righteous if he would have been in a generation of righteous people. But there are those who interpret this as a condemnation. In relation to his generation, he was righteous. But had he been in Avraham's generation, he would have been not regarded as anything. I think from this kind of a statement, it's it's easy to put Noach down, unfortunately, but it's harder to see him standing as a paradigm, a paragon of strength for his generations. I think we should take it as a lesson for ourselves. If we were Zoha to live in a generation that had ultimate, ultimate, ultimate tzaddikim, 
you know, Baruch Hashem, we're to have many tzaddikim in this generation, but let's say we lived in the generation of Rashi, we lived in the generation of Rambam, would we be even worse, or would we be even better? I, mean, I would like to think that it would be good that we could be even better. In this generation, it's hard to be morally upstanding. And it's hard to be morally in the right way because there's so much out there, so much lack of moral, so much moral depravity. You know, the society even wants people to uh, marry whoever they want. It's it's not even a far step to think that they'll let them marry animals next step or marry themselves next step. It's hard to be an upstanding, uprighteous individual. We need the Torah. We need the values of Judaism, the values of Hashem to be able to stand like that. And how much greater we could be if we were in a generation of such saintly people like Rashi's, like Rambam, the Tal- the, the people from the Talmud, from the Amaratim and the Tanam, how wonderful would that be? But we don't get to live in those generations. We live in this generation, and there's so much corruptness around us. We need to do what we can to be a Noach in our own small way. Yes, we might not be able to save hundreds of people. We not be even to, we not we might not be able to save millions of people or thousands of people or those hundreds or even tens of people. But can we? save ourselves can we stand up for ourselves for our wives for our kids can we at least do that much to stand up for a paradigm for at least our immediate nuclear family ourselves our wives and our kids and i think that's a thing to look at noah for he makes the teva for 120 years and kudos to him for building for 120 years that's not easy to hammer nail and board every single day for 120 years he probably was ridiculed and made fun of a lot of times he probably did explain to people there's a flood coming they probably didn't believe him they would probably mock him the Marashim Rejshachama points out that Hashem has many ways to save someone. Why did he make Noah toil to build the ark in order that the people of his generation should see him occupied with the task for 120 years? And they should ask him, why are you doing this? And he would tell them, Hashem is bringing a flood upon the world, where perhaps this would call them to repent. So even though they didn't, he still kept going and going and going in the aspect of making the teva and toiling at it he was involved as much as he can to be involved in that. Noach tried to save his generation by calling on them to repent, but the fact that he didn't pray for them is what people hold him to task. Ultimately, it, it didn't matter what he became of them. The Lubavitcher explains, had he truly cared, he would not have sufficed with doing his best, but would have implored the Almighty to repeal his decree of destruction, just as a person whose own life is in danger would never say, well, I did my best. Get out of beseech Hashem. Noach's involvement with others was limited to his sense of what he ought to do for them, as opposed to true concern for their well-being. He understood the necessity to act for the sake of another, recognizing that to fail to do so is a defect in one's own character, but he fell short of transcending the self to care for others beyond the consideration of his own righteousness. This also explains a curious aspect of the efforts to reach out to the generation. When the flood came, Noach and his family entered the ark alone. His 120-year campaign yielded not a single Baal Tshuva, unfortunately. Perhaps public relations wasn't the strong point, but how do we explain the fact that no one came? In order to influence others, one's motives must be pure. In the words of our sages, words that come from the heart, enter the heart. Deep down, a person will always sense whether you truly have the interest at heart or you're feeling a need of your own by seeking to change them. If your work to enlighten your fellow stems from a desire to do the right thing, but without really caring about the result, your call will be met with scant response. The echo of personal motive, be it the most laudable of personal motives, will be sensed if only subconsciously by the object of your efforts and will ultimately put them off. So, the Lubavitcher explains a defect here in the aspect, but I want to still focus on the fact that he did toil for 120 years. He was able to save himself and his wife and his kids. And in our world, 
unfortunately, there's too much confronting us. It might be too hard to overcome that and save many, many, many people. We have to start with ourselves and, and then move over to our spouses and our kids. A famous rabbi once explained that I wanted to change the whole world when I was a little kid. I realized I couldn't do that as I got older, so then I said, let me just change my country. Then as I got a little older, he realized I can't even change my country. Maybe I could change my state. He realized he couldn't do that. He said, all right, I can't change my state. Maybe I could change my city. And then he realized he couldn't even do that. And then he said, maybe I could change my town. And then he realized I can't even do that. And he said, maybe I can't change my town, but maybe I could change my block. Realized he couldn't even do that. And he said, maybe, maybe I could change my own house. And he realized I can't do that. My own spouse, my own kids, I can't do that. The only thing I could do is change myself. And by definition, when I change myself, I work on myself, everybody else will be affected as well. So I think we could learn from Noah that we have to really work on ourselves. We see now in the, the beauty of the nation of the Israel here in October 2023, the wonderful, wonderful amount of chesed, the wonderful, wonderful amount of good deeds and beautiful things that are being done. We might think it's too overwhelming, it's too hard. What can I do? What can I attribute? What can I bring to the fore? What can I bring to the nation? There are so many people doing such great things. This guy sponsors 250 tickets to send reservists off to Israel. This guy is is buying out the whole hotel the whole Jerusalem Plaza Hotel in order to put the displaced people from steroid and beyond. And this person is donating 20,000 Arsko Gemaras, and this one's donating 10,000 Sitzes, and this one's donating 1,000 Tzfilin. What can I do? But every person can be their own version of a Noach. Everyone can be that person that can build their own Teva, their own Ark, their own little lifeboat that they can contribute to the world. If you have a talent, you have an ability, you have a capability, you should do what you can to contribute to the Jewish people as a whole. If you could speak, then speak out against the an injustice of what the barbarians are doing and how they're twisting the media, twisting all these people on colleges, campuses. If you have a voice, you can do that. You know, for example, the the um, the great lawyer Alan Dershowitz actually is doing that. I just saw him comment a little while ago. You have the ability to speak to podcasts, do so, and spread light, spread words. You have the ability to sponsor people, to send financial support to the IDF or to Zak or to United Hatzalah. All these wonderful organizations. There's so many to count. You could do that too. You can contribute your time. You could go pack boxes. You could go drop off supplies. People that are sending duffel bags over to Israel. The other day we took our kids to pack bags to put like protein bars and trail mix and whatnot for the soldiers. We also made some messages of support and coloring for the soldiers. I actually saw a video today of how a soldier was so moved by my son's class in his school, the first grade, that uh, they're going to look at it on Arab Shabbos and again on Arab Shabbos, even though they can't be home. It's it's so heartening for them to see these pictures from the little kids. So every person really can do what they can. Yes, Noah should have, maybe, could have, maybe, could have done more. But at least he saved himself, he saved his wife, he saved his kids. What can we do to contribute ourselves, to save ourselves, to save our family, to contribute to this world? We should be zocha that the days are coming. Hashem says through his navis that there's going to be this great war. Hopefully this is all it is that we have to see and we shouldn't have to, be, to lose anyone else or have any other terrible things, God forbid, happen. Maybe, maybe we find out that Mashiach could come in Cheshvan because it's Mar Cheshvan and it doesn't have the holidays, maybe the ultimate holiday of the Gula could come. We should be so asochem. Shalom Melech wanted to make the base of Megdash dedicated in Cheshwan. Hashem said, no, maybe we could dedicate the third base in which we should be Zoha. If we can be our own version of Noah, we can give, do what we can, contributing light, contributing 
wonderfulness, bring our own candles and our own goodness to the world, maybe we could be Zohar, to really bring in Mashiach and the third base of English speedily in our days, and may that in fact be today. This has been Tani Talks Parsha, where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep, and I'm your host, Tani.